0: welcome in to the blitz pod as always i am your host mr kane schwartz and i am joined by mr Jaden kozak you figure out anything new to say yet or are you gonna hit me with the classic just doing good
1: i'm doing swell
0: oh there we go yeah
1: yeah getting
0: a little spicy with it bringing up for that one
2: (laughs) i like it i like it tyler i'm also joined by tyler as well how you doing man Doing great. Doing great. Uh, if I can say one thing, it's J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. I know. What a pick, man.
0: What a pick. Yeah,
2: very but, uh, other than that, I mean, yeah, it's uh, we were just talking about, you know, quarter of the season done, which um, is hard to Can't believe, believe that. that we're already through week four of the NFL season. But uh, we're starting to figure out a lot of things and uh great week that we had. Can't wait to break it down with you guys and uh, and have a blast once again. All
0: right. Oh, also, I wanted to mention that the Kentucky Wildcats caught the biggest dub ever on Saturday. I don't know if anybody witnessed it or watched the game at home, but I was in the house when Kentucky beat Florida for the first time at home since 1983. It, it Florida was ranked number 10 going into the game, and we were right on the edge of the top 25. And after Maryland got beat down on Friday... If Kentucky got beat down to, I was going to be in terrible shape for Sunday. Like, I probably wouldn't even watch any football. But, I mean, ends up not being the case. Kentucky carries out the dub. I have so many videos. It was one of the most awesome
2: experiences of my life. Thank Big you. congrats. Big congrats, Kane. And the other thing that I was going to say is because um, you were you were a freshman last year, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you didn't get to really experience a no. lot of – the the hoopla with game day and everything so obviously like I'm I'm happy for you and and being able to be in that environment and Jaden I was hoping you'd get to witness it Friday night and the Terps did 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 what Terps normally do um, but you know like I said big congrats Kane and uh, I'm sure you're you're still uh, kind of in in shock to say the least but uh, they got to oh, yeah. keep it going I I, I agree with you I, I think that was a huge win and they're definitely solidified in the top 25
0: oh yeah. sitting at 16 right now, playing LSU this week. Let's go at home. Already sold out. So, I'm hype. I'm hype. Big hype. All right. Enough of the college football talk. Enough of the intros. Let's get into another hell of a week of football that we had. Week four in the books. As of this recording, um, Monday Night Football has just concluded. And let's hop right into it. Let's recap it. The Raiders end up taking their first L of the season here. They are sitting at 3 and 1 now after the Chargers walk away with the dub, 28 to 14. Chargers are also sitting at 3 and 1. Some of my initial reactions from this game and then we'll get to you guys. Um Carr and the Raiders, I mean, are they have they proved that they're pretenders now? I mean, Carr, Derek Carr did very unimpressive things tonight. He went 21 for 31, 196 yards, two touchdowns and an interception. I mean, it wasn't that great from Derek Carr. Some people were putting him into the MVP conversation before this game, and rightfully so, because he did spectacular in the first three weeks. But against this Chargers defense, that was just not the case. And the Raiders defense also, after performing phenomenally for the first three weeks of the season, um, let up 28 points to the Chargers. So the defense didn't hold up this game. Also, Justin Herbert, for me, moves himself up in the MVP race pretty clearly. Um, he went 25 for 38 tonight, 222 yards and three touchdowns. He looked fantastic. All of his throws were on points, very efficient. Um, also, Austin Eckler proved to be the fantasy god that he always has been in the past. 15 carries, over 100 yards and a touchdown. Um, Also caught a receiving touchdown on a wheel route in this game, which is fantastic. And my final takeaway, initial takeaway from this game, um, the Chargers defense has slept on. I mean, they only allowed 244 yards combined in this game and they've done pretty solid things so far this year. So yeah, those are my initial reactions. Um, Tyler, I'll start with you. What'd you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, the Chargers showed who should be favored in this division. Now, I mean, maybe not favored, but they definitely are the, uh, the 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 leader of the pack right now. Denver taking their first L this week, and and or excuse me, Vegas. Um, taking their first L this week as well. Um, now the Chargers, you know, with that win in Kansas City, um, their schedule does get a little bit lighter now. So you know, we could be looking at a team that's five and one, six and one, maybe here in the next couple weeks. Don't want to jump the gun uh, too quick, but the Chargers act- absolutely look uh, like like the real deal. They were, you know, able to to get to Carr. Carr did not have his, the best of games. He Still leads the league in passing. I will say he still has the most passing yards in the NFL as of right now through four weeks. Um, but yeah, the rate I think they came back to life, um, you know, in the game against the Ravens and the game against the Dolphins. They were also down 14 to nothing in both of those games. Um, and the, it finally caught up to them in this game. So um, Chargers really displayed, you know, who they are and, and who we thought they were after beating the Chiefs. And they didn't have uh, that letdown game and, and were able to, to pull out the victory pretty soundly. I mean, I know the Raiders made a little bit of a comeback. Um, to get it to 21-14 But Chargers came right back out a touchdown And after that It, it was pretty much over So uh, well done by the Chargers They look like the real deal For sure And uh, not only maybe The favorite in the AFC West But uh, I know our Our fellow pod member Mitch was uh, Just put a TikTok of, of them Possibly being the favorite To make the Super Bowl In the AFC um, I would say you know It's probably them And the Bills right up there uh, For right now But great job by the Chargers Got nothing else to say
0: yeah, good stuff, good stuff. Jaden, I'll toss it to you now, man. What would you think? Yeah, a lot of the same of what Tyler was saying. I think not only have the
1: Chargers put themselves in position to be one of the favorites in the AFC, I think Herbert has put himself in position to be one of the favorites or MVP with another great performance. He hasn't really had a bad game yet this year. They're now at 3-1 and one. currently. I don't know how the tiebreakers are working out, but at least to the public eye, they are the favorite in that division right now. And the Raiders are exactly who I thought they were. I'm sure many other people shared this. This team was not one that was supposed to be as good as they were to start, and they approved it tonight. I knew that once they got taken to overtime by Miami, they weren't as legit as people were making them out to be. And it sounds like I'm a salty Steelers fan, but this was not a team that I liked coming into the year, and I don't like them now.
2: Yeah, I think the Chargers um, do have the lead right now because they do have a 2-0 and division record where they've beaten the Raiders and the Chiefs. So I think that they technically, as of right now, are in first place in the AFC West. Um, but totally agree, Jaden. I, I think the Raiders, the 3-0 was a 3-0, but was it a legitimate 3-0? We'll see. Next week will be a big test to see how they rebound from this loss.
0: All right. Well, all good stuff there on Monday Night Football. And with that, I talked a little bit about it at the beginning of my initial reaction, some pretender and tender talk, but
2: Tyler, I'll hand it to you for our new segment, Routinely on the Blitz. Yeah, we're going to start this north and south segment, so we're going to be looking at teams that are trending north, so teams that are trending upward, and then teams that are trending south possibly trending downward. So, um, you know, I I made these predictions uh, before tonight. Definitely can throw the Chargers into this category right now after this performance tonight. Um, But my two teams, um, number one is going to be the Cowboys. Uh, The Cowboys have bounced back from that opening season loss to Tampa Bay. Um, They went into L.A. to beat the Chargers um, and then they beat the Eagles soundly on Monday Night Football. And Handled the Panthers. I know the Panthers made it close at the end, but really handled them. And I think the, the Cowboys have really found their stride. Um, I feel like they found what they need to do to win these games. And it's not put everything on Dak Prescott's shoulders. Um, so Cowboys are, are absolutely a team trending in the right direction, in my opinion. Um, and the other team in my, that, that I have really trending upwards is uh, the team that I think is probably the favorite in the AFC right now, and that's the Buffalo Bills. Um, they got a stern test in Kansas City at Arrowhead Uh, on Sunday night football next week. So that'll be a great test. AFC championship rematch. Arrowhead's going to be bumping next Sunday night. Um, But the Bills, you know, after they lost that game to the Steelers week one, went down, beat the crap out of Miami. Miami. Uh, Then they handled Washington pretty easily uh, and then they blew out uh, Houston, which they were supposed to do this past week. I think the Bills, not only on the defensive side, um, but the offensive side is just clicking. Josh Allen's looking good. They're having mistakes here and there. So they haven't played, you know, they're, in my opinion, their best football, but they're beating teams pretty badly right now. So the Bills and the Cowboys are the two teams excuse me, that I have right now that are definitely trending uh, in the north direction, trending up right now. And then two teams that are trending south, trending down. Um, I've got the Broncos, uh, you know, especially with the question mark of Teddy Bridgewater now. I know that he got a concussion in that game and had to leave. But if they're left with Drew Locke, lot of question marks there because you don't have the receivers that can really step up and take over a game, especially with Judy and Hamler out. Um, we haven't seen Javante Williams really take that next step. Uh, so I do have some problems with the Broncos as far as Especially on the offensive side. The defensive side, I think they'll be able to handle it, but can they get enough offensive production? I don't know if they can, especially if Bridgewater's out. So I have the Broncos trending downward right now. Um, the other team is the Dolphins. The Dolphins beat the Patriots week one. Um, and then since then, they've lost three straight. And I know they, they went to overtime with the Raiders um, with a Jacoby Brissett game tying drive and game tying two point conversion. Uh, But other than that, Colts beat them pretty badly. Buffalo beat them badly. This is a team that I don't have a lot of faith in. And really and truly, if you really want to ask the question, okay, brissett has been in, but with Tua coming back, are they really that much better? Uh, We talked about teams that have those defensive statistics and why they might be so good and turnover, you know, teams that are able to get the turnovers, um, turnover dependent teams and the Dolphins, when they don't get those turnovers, when the teams don't turn the ball over, they really struggle in games. And we're seeing it this year. So Broncos heading downward, Dolphins heading downward, in my opinion. And like I said, Cowboys and Bills trending upward. Um, but we'll we'll be uh, adjusting these week in, week out. Um, so, yeah, this is just the first time we're going to get this going. And don't worry, fan bases. If, if your team wasn't mentioned, we'd love to hear it. Uh, you know, we, we'd love to get a little feedback as to why your team might might should have been mentioned um, in that upward trajectory. But, uh, yeah, that's it for this week. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah, and he mentioned it. We would love your
0: feedback, and there's plenty of ways to provide your feedback now. Um, I mention it quickly. We have the Instagram picking up the pace now. We've got a TikTok, brand new TikTok. So there's plenty of ways to let us know what you want to hear in the podcast. So yeah, we more than welcome that feedback from you guys because we do this for you guys. So. All right, well, that does it for our first North-South segment from Mr. Tyler North, and let's dive into the Week 4 recap now, and we'll go to the headliner games. The first game we have on the slate to cover is Carolina and Dallas. Dallas comes out on top in this one, 36-28. Both teams are now sitting at 3-1. and one. My biggest takeaway from this game for Dallas, the defense Continues to impress on the Dallas side. That's eight consecutive games. We mentioned it in the podcast last time. Um, it was seven consecutive games, but now it's eight consecutive games dating back to last year with at least two turnovers, which is extremely impressive. Um, you've got Trayvon Diggs doing his thing. He had two picks against Carolina. He's tied to league, league, in interceptions now. Um, I've been talking back and forth with Jaden, for a while, about like not for a while, but for a couple of weeks, about Trayvon Diggs potentially being a legitimate lockdown corner in the league. But take this with a grain of salt because he did allow DJ Moore to produce pretty fairly against him, and I'll mention his stat line later. But yeah, I mean, as far as turnovers go, Trayvon did uh, Trayvon Diggs looks fantastic, and this Dallas defense looks fantastic. Um, the team leads the league with eight interceptions. They had a combined 11 quarterback hits in this game. Carolina only had one, and this is one of the best defenses in the league coming into this game. Uh, They had a combined five sacks in this game. Carolina had zero. So I'll toss it to you, Jaden, first. Do you think we have a legit defense in Dallas or do you think this is more fluky? Uh,
1: somewhere
0: in between. Like the defense was the obvious problem
1: last year. That was the main reason why they lost all those games, in addition to Dak being gone. But it's definitely gotten better, but I'm not ready to put it in any kind of elite tier of defense. It's just, it just doesn't have the right. talent. Micah Parsons has looked great so far. Uh, I'm pretty sure Demarcus Lawrence hasn't been playing for a few weeks now, but Javon Diggs has looked nice. He's looked good. Um, turnovers are, again, they're always going to be fluky. Yeah. They're always going to be fluky. No matter how many you get, you can lead the league in interceptions one year and not catch a pick the next year. It's super luck dependent. Not saying that what he's doing isn't impressive, because it is. But am I ready to put him in, like, the lockdown tier of corner? Not quite yet. He's looked great, though.
0: Yeah. Yeah, totally agreed. Uh, Tyler, what you think of this defense so far? Is, is it something that's going to stay or
2: maybe head out the window next week? I mean, the Diggs brothers are making an impact in this league. Stefan leads the league in receiving last year, and Trevon's got five picks through four games uh, already this season. So uh, maybe, maybe this is another year of a, of a Diggs brother doing crazy things. Um, I, I agree. You know, I think that I might sound a little hypocritical in the sense that I put Dallas in, in a team trending upward and Miami in a team trending downward. And one of the arguments for Miami trending downward was a a turnover dependent defense. And here we are with Dallas, you know, getting so many turnovers uh, while giving up almost 400 yards a game. Um, but I, I do agree with what Jaden said, you know, Micah Parsons has made a an immediate impact on this team and, and it shows, uh, you know, he takes on a leadership role as a rookie that you don't normally see offensively or defensively. And it, it, it's something to watch, you know, going down the stretch, is Can he continue that? And as of right now, I mean, he, he's looked great. The Dallas defenses look great. Uh, like you said, a little dependent on the turnover, but um, if they can keep this going, they've got everything on the offensive side uh, to, to, you know, not, you know, outscore teams, but also get a little bit of defensive help.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned the offense. Um, this offense is starting to get on a serious role now, specifically Mr. Zeke Elliott, is finally, I mean, not finally, because he had a great week last week. But, I mean, he's Zeke is back. Zeke is back, it appears so. He had 20 carries, 143 yards, and a touchdown in this game. Um, he's had at least 16 carries, 70 yards, and a touchdown in each of the last three weeks. And Pollard's production continues to, I mean, his production is good, but his carries seem to go less and less. Um, 10 carries and 67 yards in this game. So, Zeke is back. Good, good news for Zeke. Re- fantasy. I yeah. recall a certain Kane Schwartz saying
1: that Zeke Elliott would be d- holding a cardboard sign outside of Jerry World.
2: I know. Saying, I know. Oh, so I need a that, job. After that Chargers game, yeah. I, I Two know. weeks ago. I it's know. crazy how things can change in a couple weeks. And, I mean, this is it.
0: That was me speaking as an owner of Zeke in fantasy. Like, very obviously emotionally charged statement there. But – No, I mean, he looked terrible at the beginning, but now he's Zeke is back. Zeke is back. What what can he say? One Um, thing.
2: I was just going to say one thing that that with with the whole rushing attack with Dallas, um, the Cowboys are now when they have Dak playing, they are now 27 and 0. When they have more rushing attempts than passing attempts, this week was 34 and 22. So the key to success for Dallas is to have more rushing attempts than passing attempts. Some of that does come with game script, not going to lie there, but um, it does show that they have to have a balanced attack. And uh, this is Zeke's first 100-yard game um, since 2018, and he had a 47-yard run, which is was this is, was his longest since 20. 20- 16 so zeke is maybe coming back a little bit dallas had 400 245 yards on the ground and the panthers had only let up 135 yards in the entire season on the ground so dallas you know really showed their will and we talked about it with the panthers it was it was definitely a class up in um, in competition compared to what they'd faced in the first couple weeks
0: yeah good stuff good stuff um also on the offensive side for dallas it was a quiet day for cd lamb Every targeted player on the Dallas Cowboys offense caught a touchdown except for CeeDee Lamb and Zeke, who had one target, but that's an exception. But every targeted player caught a touchdown except for CeeDee. But more on the Dallas uh, offensive passing attack, Um, the most targeted person in this game was Dalton Schultz, eight targets. And I, I love what I'm seeing out of Dalton Schultz this year. I mean, I think he has a legitimate chance to become not in the I'm not putting him in the Kittle Waller Kelsey conversation, obviously. But like definitely in that, as far as fantasy goes or as far as real football goes, like Bobby Tanyan, uh, Jared Cook, Logan Thomas, Kyle Pitts, Mark Andrews conversation. Like, I think if he keeps this up, he has a chance to be in that conversation. He's had more than six targets in three out of four games this year. So, yeah, give me more Dalton Schultz. All right, on the Carolina side, let's hop into it. Um, the Carolina offense struggled to keep up with uh, keep up with the Dallas offense without CMC. Um, Chuba Hubbard, thirteen carries, fifty-seven yards, not anything spectacular, but obviously he's not going to be CMC. Um, Sam Darnold, he was okay. He was okay. I mean, he went twenty-six for thirty-nine, three hundred yards, two touchdowns, but. He did throw those two picks, both to Trayvon, which were brutal. Um, both of his passing touchdowns were to DJ Moore, and believe it or not, Sam Darnold now leads the league in rushing touchdowns as a quarterback. So, like,
2: as Adam uh, backs. I know the re- yeah. the Renaissance here. You know, like like we said, just change the location, and uh, yeah, I mean, he had his mistakes in this game, which you're gonna get Wait. with Sam Darnold, but he has showed flashes of of promise and you know, they, they showed a little heart. They went down big in that game. I think it was 36-14 and they were able to claw that back to a one-score game and, and had a chance on a third down play to, to get the ball back. And obviously Dallas got the first down and, and went on the clock out, but yeah, they, they showed some resiliency and it's all started with Sam Darnold. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, I mentioned that both of his passing touchdowns were DJ Moore. DJ Moore, man, former Turp. Goes for another crazy game here. Eight catches, 113 yards, and two touchdowns. I mean, absolutely fantastic. Me and Jaden were talking a little bit before the podcast. Tyler, I'll start with you. Do you think? And do, do you think we could start to put DJ Moore in the top 10 receiver category now?
2: I mean, he's doing he's doing it right now. Um, I, I need to see it on I wouldn't even say a season long trend. I would say I need to see this across 10 to 12 games um, for me to put him in that, you know, Devonte Adams, DeAndre Hopkins type of category. But I mean, he's, he's right there. If he's not top 10, he, he's top 15 at least.
0: Yeah. I think he's starting to put himself more like me and Jaden were talking about it into the, I think he draws very close comparisons, especially in fantasy to a Calvin Ridley type like I really think he could put up Calvin Ridley type numbers. Jaden, what do you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, fantasy-wise, he's creeping, he's he's pretty much in the top 10. If he continues to be as consistent as he has been so far this year, he could definitely creep his way into the top 5 with guys like DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, even DeVonte Adams being much more inconsistent than they were and Tyreek Hill as well, but being much more inconsistent than they thought they were, than people thought they were going to be. And if he can just keep that 18, 20 points, this is the numbers that Devontae Adams was putting up last year that had him as one of the two or three best players in fantasy, if not one. So yeah, if you have DJ Moore, keep him, unless you're in a league with me.
0: <laughs>
2: and I don't have DJ Moore. You away, DJ Moore. You traded it away. I, 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 it. I do think that he will come a little bit – back down to earth i mean you can't expect yeah eight eight, 102 touchdowns every week but i think you can consistently bank on you know 70 80 yards in a week with six to seven catches i i don't think that that's out of the out of the ordinary whatsoever obviously touchdowns are what makes and breaks fantasy but uh, i think if you're getting that production from your wide receiver on a consistent basis then yeah you're going to be in that that top 10 category
0: and and you mentioned
2: uh, yeah go ahead
1: I was just going to say, touchdowns were always his issue. Like, yes, he's going to get six-ish catches and, you know, close to 100 yards, but he could never get in the end zone consistently last year. I think he only had like three or four touchdowns last year. So that was one thing that kind of scared fantasy managers away from him, especially as being like a consistent top-end starter. Uh, But now if he's getting touchdowns like he has been so far this
0: year, I see no reason to not have him as a legit wide receiver one. Yeah, for sure. Um, you mentioned that DJ, I mean, this productivity is not going to sustain, especially if the guy competing for targets and catches there, Robbie Anderson starts to pick it up and, um, there were good signs for Robbie Anderson in this game. Um, not a great stat line as far as fantasy goes or in general football terms, but he got five catches on 11 targets. So double digit targets for the first time this year for Robbie, um, 46 yards, uh, one target less than DJ and six more than the next most targeted receiver on the team. So, and before this game, he had a combined 11 targets in the three weeks prior. So good sign for Robbie Anderson and possibly some regression from DJ Moore. Um, last couple of things I want to say in this game. Uh, I still have faith in the Carolina defense. Um, they held Amari and CD to five catches and 82 yards combined, which is impressive. And um, they held back to 188 yards through the the pass. Um, He did throw for four touchdowns, granted, but I'm not panicking on the Carolina defense, especially what they did in the first three weeks. I wanted to ask this one last question in regards to this game. Tyler, I'll start with you. What does this loss mean for Carolina in terms of them being a contender for the rest of the year?
2: Yeah, I mean – when they get McCaffrey back, they're a totally different team. Um, I think mm-hmm. also when you're looking at the targets uh, between DJ and and Robbie Anderson, some of that does play into game script. You know, they didn't trail until this se- until this game in the entire season. They had led every second of every game up until this game. Um, so, you know, they are faced with some adversity and I think they bounce back in that. I'm telling you that little bit to make it a one possession game and to give yourself a chance to, to tie that game or to win that game that can go a long way come November and December when you're really playing those close games that, uh, you know, you're getting down to the nitty gritty as far as a win or loss can make or break your season. So I think that you can take a lot of positives from this game. If you're a Carolina fan and you know, yeah, CJ Henderson been with the team less than a week. And you threw him out there and, you know, he, he played solid. I know he gave up the, the touchdown to Amari. But for the most part, like you said, they shut down this this Dallas passing attack. Um, I know Dak threw a touchdown on about 25% of his throws. But, you know, it wasn't a high-volume game for Dak. And I, I don't think there's much to be concerned about. The only thing I will say is Carolina led the league coming into this game in sacks. And they had zero. Dallas was last in the league in, or bottom three in the league in sacks. And they had five. That's just how the NFL goes sometimes. But uh, I think I think Dallas just showed that Dallas might be the team to beat in the NFC, uh, you know, other than the Cardinals, because obviously they're undefeated. But Dallas is right up there with them as I mean, they're, they're a Greg Zerline kick away from beating Tampa and being undefeated. So Dallas is right there with, with the best of them in the NFL.
0: All right. Good take. Uh, Jaden, I'll hop to you. What does this loss mean for Carolina and Dallas, for that matter, being a contender for the rest of the year?
1: Uh, as far as Carolina goes, I think once they get McCaffrey back, they'll be fine. And Donald's look great, or at least much better than they were expecting. So that's great. Their defense was kind of what they were riding into this game. And then when you – stack them up with a dynamite offense like Dallas. You kind of expected they were going to come back down to earth, and that's what they did. Am I pressing the panic button? Absolutely not. This is still going to be a legit wild card contender. As of right now, I think Tampa Bay wins that division pretty comfortably, but Carolina is definitely going to be in the mix for the wild card. As far as Dallas goes, I think they're going to run away with that division as it stands right now without a question. Um, Am I ready to put them in the top, top tier of the NFC? Maybe not just because there are, I'd say the Cardinals are better than them. I would say the Tampa's better than them. I would say the Rams are better than them. And then Green Bay is also debatable. So that's four teams right there. That that puts them one of those teams gets knocked down in the first round. So or one of those five gets knocked down in the first round. But they're they're looking scary. Like Dallas is quietly steamrolling teams right now.
0: So yeah. Definitely, definitely good stuff there. All right, let's hop into the next game on the slate. And that is Jets, Tennessee. What a pick, Tyler. Jets come out on top 27 to 24 in overtime. The Jets are now sitting at one and three. Tennessee sitting at two and two. And Tyler, what did you see come to fruition in this
2: game? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I will give myself a pat on the back for, uh, for nailing that pick on the pod last week. Um, but I thought, you know, with Julio and AJ Brown, both being out that the, uh, the, the Titans passing game would struggle. Um, and Tannehill did not look comfortable at all in the pocket all day. He was getting pressured. I think the Jets had five sacks in this game. Um, and honestly the Titans defense, I knew was going to be pretty bad. It, it did not look good. Uh, you know, Zach Wilson had the best game of his young career. He looked composed more often than not in this game. Uh, Crowder and Corey Davis, James Crowder and Corey Davis, both came to life uh, for the jets and gave them a a passing game that we haven't seen. Not this year, but I don't even know if we've seen in the past two or three years. So um, definitely something to build on. Um, I I know Wilson orchestrated a 53 yard touchdown bomb to Davis, where he told him just keep going and and hit him on the deep ball. Um, That looked great. And when the jets kicked the field goal to go up 10-9 in the third quarter, it was the first lead that they've had this entire season. So you got a feel for them. Um, they actually had seven sacks, not five sacks in this game. So, you know, maybe it shows that that Chandler Jones five sack game against Tennessee wasn't just a fluke and they might have a lot, uh, offensive line problems. <clears> Terrell <throat> Luan, um, but, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's something that they're going to have to shore up if they're going to win that AFC South, which is just looking like probably the worst division in football.
0: Yeah. I mean, you mentioned the offensive line concerns and you also mentioned the defensive concerns. Let's hop into that. I mean, this Titans defense is a problem. They've allowed the seventh most points per game so far this year, 27.8. Uh, they're middle of the pack against the run, but they're bottom 10 in passing yards allowed. They only have one forced turnover on the year, which is tied for last. And they only had one quarterback hit and one sack against the Jets. That's terrible. That's terrible. Um, You mentioned the passing game lacked the big playability without AJ and Julio. Um, Ten different Titans had a target in this game, which is insane. But Tan Hill's got to do what he's got to do. Um, Jaden, we had conversations about Derrick Henry uh, prior to the season about in our fantasy episode, I believe. And some of my concerns for Derrick Henry was would he continue because he's on the wrong side of I. I remember looking at the ages. I, he's he's older like twenty six,
1: which shocked
0: me. Yeah. Yeah, he's older than Zeke, and he's on the wrong side of 25 for running back. And I was concerned whether or not he was going to continue to get the level of rushing volume this year, especially considering that he's not a threat in the receiving game. But those preseason concerns for me are out of the window. I mean, he had 33 carries in this game. Um, A lot of that, obviously, because of no AJ and Julio. But despite 33 carries, 157 yards and a touchdown, and... On the season, he has 113 carries, which leads the league. The next closest running back is Joe Mixon with 83. So he has almost a whole 30 – he has a whole 30 more carries than the next guy. So it was pretty uh, – Titans aren't worried about how much production they're giving to Derrick Henry. Um, I'll, I will say that there's not necessarily need for panic after this game in Tennessee. I mean, Jaden, I'll get your thoughts on this afterwards, but – um. I don't think there's, I don't really think there's a cause for panic because they're sitting in the AFC South, which is arguably the worst division of football. I mean, the Texans are sitting at one and three, Colts are sitting at one and three, and the Jags are sitting at one and four. Um, are you panicking about Tennessee right now? Uh,
1: am I panicking? Am I panicking about them winning the division? No. This, I mean, if they don't win this division, it's a failure of a season, but this is a team that is built to try and, go all in they go get Julio Jones this is a team that wants to compete for a Super Bowl and they are not even close right now this is a defense that isn't that great not even good could be towards the bottom third of the league I remember talking preseason I don't know if I spoke that much about it on the pod but this was a team that I wasn't very optimistic with just because they lose a lot of pieces and when you just have Derrick Henry and you start losing games to high-powered offenses because your defense is bad, pounding Derrick Henry into the ground isn't always going to work when you're losing. And then you see that with A.J. Brown and Julio gone. He gets 35 carries, and they lose to the Jets. So if this is your game plan, obviously you'll have A.J. and Julio at certain points. But, yeah, I'm I'm scared if I'm – a like Titans panic meter has got to be towards the top of the league as far as what they were expected to do coming into the season.
0: Yeah, definitely. Tyler, what do you think?
2: Uh, Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. I, I don't think that, they're even close to that upper echelon of AFC teams that could compete and, and win the AFC. I think I could name probably, you know, six or seven teams that have a, a better shot. And this is like we said, coming from a team that's probably going to win the AFC South because it's the Titans, the Colts, the Jags and the Texans. So, you know, they've got winnable games on the schedule. The Jets was one of those winnable games and they weren't able to take care of business. One little uh, tidbit from this game that uh, we had a first of is uh Quinan Williams and his brother Quincy Williams are the first brothers to record a sack in an NFL game in NFL history, since the stats became a, an official stat back in 1982. So I thought that that was pretty cool to see two brothers uh, each get a sack in the game. Um, you know, just another little positive note for the jets moving forward. Right. And another positive note for the
0: jets moving forward after this game. And you mentioned it already, Tyler, Zach Wilson showed signs of life in this game. He went 21 for 34, 297 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. It was his first touchdown thrown since week one at Carolina. Um, However, he does now lead the league in interceptions with eight, and he produced against a struggling Tennessee defense. But, I mean, great! it, it does great things for the confidence of a rookie quarterback in this game, a big win against a prominent team like Tennessee.
2: Well, a rookie oh. head coach too. So you got a rookie head coach, right. a rookie quarterback, both getting their first NFL wins. I mean, it's, it's definitely something it, it, do I think that this is going to propel the Jets to the playoffs? Probably not, but it's still something to build off of not only for this year, but for years to come. Yeah, for sure.
0: Um, one thing that I noticed uh, through looking at some stats was if Zach can get the ball to Corey Davis it always means it, it so far it has meant good things for the Jets. Um, in this game, he had four catches on seven targets, 111 yards, and a touchdown in his revenge game against Tennessee. And the last time he got 90 yards receiving this year, it was five catches, 97 yards, two touchdowns in week one at Carolina, where they only lost 19 to 14 against a really sound Carolina team. So get the ball to Corey Davis more. Why not? You pay him a lot of money, follow the money. All right, next game on the slate is Arizona and the Rams, which was coming into this week, supposed to be the potential game of the year kind of matchup, but it didn't end up being that way. The Rams end up taking the loss in this one. They fall to three and one while Arizona comes out on top and they extend their undefeated streak to four and oh. Um, final score, Arizona 37 Rams 20 um, Jaden initial takeaways
1: uh the cardinals are legit the cardinals are super legit and they look like the best team in the nfl right now i was thinking about you know putting a power rankings out today and i had them at one uh you'll also see on our instagram we all four put out our mvp ladder and kyler murray was at number one for all four of us so that just kind of shows you the defense pretty much has quieted at all questions that they've had the offense has looked great i wish they would throw the ball to deandre hopkins more times than they do because he's by far the best player on your team
0: utilize him please well kind of an For issue with Jalen of- ramsey is blank i don't care you know? i
1: don't
0: <laughs> care tyler i'll go ahead and toss it to you um what were your, some of your, the
2: biggest takeaways that you can take away from this game um yeah i mean like Jaden said the Cardinals are legit. Uh, their defense is now ranked as the third. Uh, they're ranked third in the league in defensive efficiency. So their defense has made huge strides. Byron Murphy looks incredible for them on the defensive mm-hmm. side of the ball. He's really taken a, a big step forward. Um, I believe he now has, uh, I want to say, three interceptions in four games. Um, a couple other things. Uh, Cardinals are plus five on the turnover differential this season. So will that you know turnover-prone defense come back down to earth remains to be seen. Um, the other thing is this is the first time that they've beaten Sean McVay uh at uh in in Los Angeles. So kind of a monkey off your back if you're thinking about that. Um and the other thing that really stuck out to me is Cardinals found a run game. Chase Edmonds mm-hmm. went 12, 12 carries, 120, and then James Conner added two touchdowns on 50 yards as well. So that was something that I didn't really see coming into this game. That as they got the lead, they were able to hold the lead because they were able to run on the Rams defense too, which is normally, you know, pretty stout against the run. So um, something to to build off of there for Arizona is not only do we have this electric passing attack, but now we can control the clock too with, with Edmonds and and Connor and solidify leads when we have them. So uh, Cardinals look like they've got all facets of the game figured out right now. And uh, it remains to be seen who's going to beat them. Yeah. I mean, so far, and especially in this
0: game, The Cardinals proved that they have an elite offense, despite D hops, basically absence with Jalen Ramsey blanketing him the whole game. Uh, Kyler Murray found other ways to make it happen. Uh, He got A.J. Green, the ball, five catches, six targets, 67 yards and a touchdown. Um, He had that one that the touchdown was on the 41 yard pass, which was phenomenal. Um, he got the ball to Max Williams in this game. Five catches, 66 yards and a touchdown. Uh, you mentioned James Conner with the two rushing touchdowns. Arizona offense now leads the league in points per game. They're six in rushing and they're second in passing. So this is an elite offense and it's promising signs to show that they can do something without D-Hop. Um, yeah, Kyler continues his MVP campaign in this game, obviously. Went 24 for 32, 268 yards and two touchdowns. He's second in passing now, tied for fifth in passing touchdowns and third in QBR. So you mentioned that Jaden Kyler is at the top of all of our MVP ranks right now. and I don't think there's any debate. You also mentioned the Cards defense. They held a red hot Rams offense to just two touchdowns in this game, which is absolutely phenomenal. They're a top eight passing defense so far. They're second in forced turnovers with seven and fifth in sacks with nine, but a lot. five of those sacks came in the first game of the season, granted, but Chandler Jones is still a force to be reckoned with. Um, also, you mentioned the Chase Edmonds, James Conner, running back duo combination, and I want to touch on this in terms of fantasy. Um, Chase Edmonds, I wouldn't be overreacting after this game. He had 12 carries compared to James Conner's 18 carries, and he did obviously outnumber him in the yards category, uh, 120 yards to 50 yards, but 54 of of those yards came on one run. So, yeah, you could argue the explosiveness, but they're obvious by James Conner's two rushing touchdowns. They're going to give it to James Conner on the nitty and gritty plays when they need to grind it out, and especially when they're close to the goal line. So I still, in terms of fantasy, I still favor James Conner over Edmonds especially because Edmonds hasn't been the biggest factor in the receiving game, especially what we expected coming into this year. So definitely taking James Conner over Chase Edmonds still um, on the Ram side, Jay and Ramsey shut down D hop, but the defense struggles. I mean, they have not allowed more than 30 points since week three of last year, which is insane against the bills, but yeah, they haven't allowed that many points in a very, very long time. Um, and we didn't touch on it yet. Matt Stafford struggled in this game for the first time this year without a monster Cooper cup performance. Um, Stafford went 26 for 41, 280 yards, two touchdown and interception. Um, Cut went for only five catches on 13 targets. That's double the targets anyone else on the team got. And he only went for 64 yards. So if team, I'll toss it to you, Tyler. First, do you think if they cut, if teams can cut off the Cooper cup production, is this offense sort of one-dimensional?
2: Um, no, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think this is something to to really fret about too much. If you're the Rams, um, I mean, you did get. Close, I think, one time, turned it over on Downs, got close another time. Matt Gay missed a, a field goal. So I don't think this is too much to to worry about. Um, I'd say it's more worrisome on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, I know that you've got um Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, but after that. There are a lot of holes on this Rams defense, um, and it was evident in this game. It's kind of been evident all year. I know the Bears, like I said, Week One showed flashes. The Bucks, you know, they they, they came to play in that game. Um, don't get me wrong there, and even the Colts game, Carson Wentz, I think, turned it over twice inside the five. So, um, you know, the Colts were, were really passing on them for a lot of the game as well. So, I think that there are some worries on the defensive side of the ball um, if you're the Rams. Uh, I will say that. Robert Woods finally got his touchdown and salvaged somewhat of a mediocre performance once again. So got his fantasy owners kind of back on track, but yeah, I think you're going to see this, uh, you know, Van Jefferson had was the leading receiver with a touchdown and it's kind of, I don't want to say it's the same as the Dallas offense, but you have Jefferson, you have cup and you have woods. One of those guys, if not two of those guys are not going to be able to produce every single game, especially when Stafford can't throw for 300 yards. Yeah. Jaden, what you think?
1: was one of those happy woods owners this week feels good as i handed mr kane schwartz a nice little l to continue his winless season so nice but uh yeah matt stafford did struggle i didn't realize how bad he struggled or not it wasn't like awful but it wasn't the mvp level of play that we've been seeing so far this year And the Rams defense, yes, has a lot of holes. Granted, Aaron Donald basically does everything on your defensive line by himself. Like, he gives you good enough pass rush and good enough run defense by himself. It could be me, you, Tyler, and Aaron Donald, and we would be just fine against literally (laughs) anyone. Um, But when you don't have guys like Darius Williams contributing like they were last year and John Johnson, who is now with Cleveland, it can't just be Jalen Ramsey performing for that LA secondary. And you saw it as they got torched by
0: the Cardinals. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. So the next game that we have on our coverage today is Baltimore taking away the dub against Denver 23 to seven at mile high. Baltimore is now sitting at three and one, and Denver is now sitting at three and one as well. Um, my biggest takeaways from this game on the Ravens side, it, it's been a big storyline following this week, 43 consecutive 100-yard rushing games for the Ravens offense. That ties the record set by the 1974-77 to 77 Pittsburgh Steelers. Huh? Yeah, a little, little Steelers talk. Oh, he's splashing me the ring in my face as we speak. Um, but there was a lot of controversy over this because – Lamar rushed for five yards on the final play of the game to tie the record. And Vic Fangio came out after the game in the post-game presser and said, I thought it was kind of bullshit. 37 years of pro ball, and I've never seen anything like that. And personally, come on, man. If you're going for the record, you got to give it to him. Like, cut him some slack, dude. Vic Fangio's an and old bird. Harval
1: responded saying – we got the ball back because you guys were trying to score a touchdown with down 16 with 10 seconds left.
0: Right. And he was like, last time I checked, I think I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, last time I checked, they don't uh let 16 point touchdowns be scored anymore. <laughs> and yeah, I, that was
2: I, I think, you know, this is professional ball. Stop them. Yeah. Like, like, like it's just like with uh baseball, you know, it's swinging at a three Oh pitch when you're up 15 runs and hitting a home run. Don't, don't allow them to hit the home run. Don't allow them to get the five yards rushing. I, that's just how I feel. I think that it's, it's very petty of Fangio to, to go after him. I think you should be worried about your, your team and the concerns that are on your team and your side of the field more so than a five yard, Rush at the end of the game. I think that you just say, All right, that is what it is. It's whatever, and move on past it. I don't think you need to make a sly comment like he made.
0: Right. Exactly. I loved Harbaugh's response. So I love, I've always been a big Hardball guy, even though I'm not the biggest Ravens fan. How can you hate on Harbaugh at all? So uh, other stuff on the Ravens side, I'm not sure how much longer I can doubt Lamar, man. I seriously, I don't know if I could do it for much longer. I mean, he looked fantastic in this game. What can I say? 22 for 37, 316 yards and a touchdown against a very stout Denver defense in mile high. And what was most impressive to me and was most impressive in this game in general was the 49 yard bomb to Hollywood in the end zone. I mean, making those kind of plays is very impressive and like what a throw and and not even the throw. Like, I mean, the throw was fantastic, but Hollywood's catch even like after having Butterfingers last week, it comes down with that. Absolutely fantastic. And speaking of Hollywood, uh came back after a bad week last week, four catches on five targets, 91 yards and a touchdown. However, um, Sammy Watkins and Mark Andrews both saw more targets, which we kind of foresaw in our last episode. Um, Mark had five catches on eight targets for 67 yards and Sammy Watkins had four catches for 49 yards on the Denver, uh, on the Denver side. We mentioned it earlier injury in Denver to Teddy Bridgewater, Mr. Teddy two gloves goes into concussion protocol. He is relieved by drew lock in the game. Um, Teddy started the game mediocre 65 yards and a touchdown and, now with the concussion protocol, he's questionable for Week Five, and we won't receive an update till Wednesday. And Drew Locke looked terrible, and I mean, not terrible, but definitely not great in his relief of Teddy Bridgewater, twelve for twenty-one, one hundred and thirteen yards, and an interception. I want to, I want to give myself a second to give myself a pat on the back because Noah Fant did produce as I predicted. Uh, he, what, what are you doing that little thing for? thanks man he's he's handing me an L on the on live podcast for him that's ridiculous granted
1: granted Noah Fant and Dalton Schultz and Blake Jarwin and Jared Cook all outscored Travis Kelsey with just their one
0: touchdown catch this weekend took them one play I right. despite the De- one like the touchdown catch was not dependent on I mean, obviously it helped fans, yeah, fans production to, like fantasy. Four points. Hey man, but in terms of football goes, uh fan looks like he's taking over the receiving duties in the absence of Judy and Hamler. Um, he had 10 targets, which led the team, 46 yards and a touchdown. Um Sutton came in second with eight targets, and uh Tim Patrick came in third with six targets and We've been mentioning the backfield a lot, especially you, Tyler. Um, The backfield continues to be split in Denver. Um, Melvin Gordon finished with nine carries and 56 yards. And Williams finished with seven carries, 48 yards. But Javante Williams definitely looks like the better back. I mean, his longest run on Sunday was 31 yards and Melvin Gordon's was 14. So definitely more explosiveness in Javante Williams. Any thoughts on the game from you guys before I toss it over to the Pittsburgh Green Bay man?
2: Yeah, I would I would say a couple of things. Uh, This was the third most passing yards in a game by Lamar. Um, So, yeah, I think we we definitely have to put him in that start putting him in that upper echelon of quarterbacks. And let me ask you this. Where are the Ravens without Lamar? I mean, they could be undefeated. And that's why I think you've got to start considering him in the MVP conversation once again um, for what he's doing. He only had 28 yards rushing, but you know, the 318 passing is something to definitely hold your hat on. And one of the things that I mentioned last week as what could be a key in this game, uh, because I did think it was going to be a low scoring game uh, was special teams and Duvernay had a 42 yard punt return that led right to a Tucker field goal right before half that put the Ravens up 10 and pretty much solidified the game at that point. So once again, special teams playing a big game using all three facets um, of the game as far as offense defense and special teams, the Ravens did everything great um, on all three sides of the ball. And yeah, you know, we talked about Hollywood, um, how you're going to have these type of games where he, booms and has the 90 yards and a touch but you're also going to have the games like you had last week this is what you get uh, as a Hollywood Brown fantasy owner you're going to get the good with the good and the bad with the bad but good for him to redeem himself and and catch the long ball from Lamar uh that it it was almost out of the reach but like you said hell of a catch by him and um Ravens are are, you know three and one now which is after that week one loss to the Raiders I don't know if any of us saw this coming
0: yeah no and you mentioned Lamar like What I thought was particularly impressive in this game was Denver came in with a game plan, knowing that they were going to run, obviously. And Big Fangio talked about it after the game. He was like, we know they were going to do this. But despite them planning on stopping Lamar and the running game in general, Lamar decided to go another route. He was like, okay, I can throw it. And he, like, in the face of adversity and not being able to run that ball, he throws for over 300 yards. So I thought that was very impressive on Lamar's fault, or Lamar's part. Um, Jaden, your thoughts from this game
2: really quickly?
1: Yeah, I I agree with Tyler. I think this definitely propels Lamar into the MVP conversation. I currently have him at two. I know Tyler does as well. Uh, a great passing day, not something shut up all the haters. Lamar still stays at eighth in the league in rushing, which I, every time I see him like week by week, just him in the top five in the little NFL post, top rushing leaders, just crazy to think about that that is happening. Um, But this Ravens team, I can't even say needs to get healthy because they've got so many guys that are like done, done. But but Ronnie Stanley, I don't know what what his timetable is for return. I feel like after – I was surprised when he was out for week two and he hasn't played since. They really need him back. I know it didn't look like that as much yesterday, but there have been a lot of times where Lamar has been struggling to get out of the pocket, especially in the Detroit game. They need Ronnie Stanley back. Denver is close to as good as it's going to get, but eventually luck's going to run out, and you're going to face a team that's having a great day getting to you, and it's going to be hard for the Ravens because – As much as I like, as much as I weirdly like the Ravens as a Steelers fan, I don't, I don't trust them as much as I did. I I don't trust them as much as I did after week one. interesting. Backwards, as backwards as that
0: is. And as a Steelers fan, this is saying that interesting, interesting. Good stuff, though. Good stuff. All right. Well, that brings us to Pittsburgh and Green Bay. Green Bay takes out the dub, twenty-seven to seventeen. Green Bay sitting at three and one now, and Pittsburgh is sitting at a measly one and three. Jaden, I'll toss it to you. Take it away, man. What'd you think? That measly was completely unnecessary. <laughs> um, but
1: so, takeaways from this game: we weren't offsides. That should have been a touchdown. For us, that's a 10-point swing that we lose. And did I expect us to win this game? Absolutely not. Green Bay is great. I love Aaron Rodgers. I thought we had absolutely zero shot in this game. Big Ben is almost and arguably the worst starting quarterback in the league now. Jacoby Brissett and Drew Locke are now technically starters, so they make that conversation a little bit more interesting. But I am not very optimistic. As far as the rest of the season goes, obviously we've, we've beaten Buffalo, but just going to give you a little bit of an outlook as to what we're facing. We have Denver next week. We have Seattle, a bye week Cleveland. Then we get Chicago and Detroit in back-to-back weeks. Thank God. Then we get the Chargers in LA. We get the Bengals. Then for our final six weeks of the season, Baltimore at Minnesota, Tennessee, at Kansas City, Cleveland, at Baltimore.
0: The kind of schedule uh, you would expect for the last remaining undefeated team in the league last year. So yeah. I'll just say yeah. that. You deserve oh, it.
1: I mean, it's it's totally what we deserve. <laughs> yeah. It's called uh, for. Yeah. So do I think we'll be picking in the top eight? Yes. Uh, have I accepted it? Yes, I have. So there's, you know <laughs> – I'm not going to be as disappointed because I I know it's coming. This is a rebuilding year. We do have, I don't know what the number is after Watts contract, but we have about 40 million in cap space. And there's a video of Aaron Rodgers and Mike Tomlin smiling at each
0: other. So I'm just going to watch that after every loss for the rest of the season. I thought that was awesome. Aaron Rodgers, if anybody didn't know, Aaron Rodgers tried to call a quick play in the second quarter to draw a penalty for too many men on the field for Pittsburgh. And Tomlin saw that and he immediately calls a timeout and they just have a look at each other. And Tomlin just like gives him like a smile and a head nod and like Aaron hits a little chuckle. That just made me happy, like to see like another head coach, uh, well-respected. Like Mike Tomlin and Aaron Rodgers, who've been in the game forever, like just like, no, you're not going to pull that on me. So I love that. I love that. Um, One little tidbit that I want to mention from this game. um, Najee Harris is the real deal, man, especially in fantasy. He has legitimate potential to be a top five fantasy running back this year. He had 15 carries, 62 yards and a touchdown this game. And then continues to produce in the receiving side, six catches on seven targets, 29 yards. He now leads the league and running back targets by a significant margin. So I really, really, really like Najee in fantasy. So good stuff. All right. Last game on the slate is the Sunday night football matchup that we had, which ended up being a lot better game than anyone thought it would be. And Tampa Bay, squeezes out a win 19 to 17 at Gillette stadium, Tampa Bay sitting at three and one new England sitting in one and three now. And the only reason they lost this game is because, I mean, not the only reason, but I didn't think it was a great call from Pelichek. I mean, folk had made very many consecutive field goals prior to the kick, but he missed a 56 yard field goal in the rain in the final minute to lose the game. So Let's dive into some of my takeaways from the general game. Uh, Tampa Bay, it just, and I'll get your guys' thoughts on this, on why Brady struggled, but it just seems like Bill knew what Tom Brady was going to do, and rightfully so. Brady was held to 22 for 43 and 269 yards. He led the league in touchdowns prior to week four. And, I mean, just Bill seemed to knew what Tom Brady was doing, and nobody's going to know. Tom Brady better than Bill Belichick. So Tyler, I'll get your thoughts. Do you think this is more of a Brady struggle or just more of Bill being a help coach?
2: I mean, I think the weather impacted it a little bit too. I mean, it was pouring mm-hmm. rain and you could tell Brady was throwing everything high um, to his receiver. And it almost looked like the ball was, you know, slipping out of his hand a little bit. Um, but we, you know, we talked about it on the pod last week, kind of previewing this game uh, that Brady knew what, Belichick was going to do, and and vice versa. Um, the only thing that I saw that kind of was a little different was the Patriots running a little bit of a hurry up with Mac Jones, which I hadn't seen before, um, and it seemed to be working for them, uh, and they were able to you know get some penetration on that Bucks defense, and you know the Bucks, in my opinion, got lucky in this game because they settled for four field goals a couple of times in the red zones as well uh, when they had the chance to you know score a couple of touchdowns and allowed the Patriots to not only hang in this game, but came down to the 56 yard field goal and i guess that's going to be known as the the brady doink or the brady boink whatever you want to call it now um but uh yeah unfortunate for the patriots because mac jones and and belichick had a great game script and steve belichick even licking his lips on the sideline i thought (laughs) that was was pretty funny um but yeah no i mean it was was a great game obviously all the hoopla before was was awesome to see um this is arguably the not even arguably, this is the best player of our generation and probably the best player in NFL history and uh, probably the best coach in NFL history as well. And and finally able to uh reconvene on the field and and go against each other on a Sunday Sunday night it was great to see um and obviously Bucks came away with the victory but I do think I think there's some concerns on the Bucks sideline for sure uh you know it, it, as far as the defense especially the pass defense, defense because yeah. their quarterbacks are very very slim now you saw them bring in Richard Sherman this past week and by the end of the game he was the best starting cornerback that they had so uh, some concerns there, uh, but good on the Bucks to get the dub. New England now drops to one and three. Uh, they play the Texans next week, so hopefully they can get a dub there and get back on track. Um, but a uh, one and three start is not how they envisioned the season going. Yeah. Um, Jaden, what were your summary of your thoughts from this game?
1: Uh, I think Mac Jones looked really good. Uh, this was obviously against a fairly depleted Bucks secondary that is now I don't know what Winfield's status was, but he was being evaluated for concussion and Carlton Davis, obviously not going to be available for a little bit. So that's scary if Richard Sherman is your CB1 and as someone who watched Ross Cockrell be part of that awful, awful, awful Steeler secondary for a few years, I can tell you he's not going to cut it. But Mac Jones looked great. That was the loudest, I think that might be the loudest hit off of a field goal post I've ever heard. (laughs) It like shook my house when it doinked (laughs) off the upright. Uh, Brady struggled much more than I thought he would. I thought he'd come out with a vengeance, but like not to the point where it's like, oh, I'm trying to throw hundred yards every play and try and win the game by myself. Like maybe he was like too composed, just trying to like,
0: walk his way through the
1: game i don't know what it was are we not it's giving something... any credit to bill are we not giving any
0: credit to bill's game plan on the defensive <sighs> side come on man nobody oh, knows either. tom brady better than bill Hey, he saw oh, him man, every I... day in practice and i thought he had a great game plan on defense I, yeah I'll, I'll give you that I, I just you've said it
1: yourself you're you're tom you're on the tom brady side of it oh yeah so when something we'll get it goes in. wrong yeah,
0: yeah okay yeah, we'll get it. We'll hop into that for a second after this. But um, we mentioned Mac Jones already. I mean, absolutely phenomenal in this game, despite the loss. Uh, he went for 275 yards, 31 for 30, two touchdowns and an interception. He completed 19 straight passes at one point in the second half. That is the first time a rookie has done that in 40 years. And that tied Brady's most consecutive pass streak. So I thought he looked very Brady-esque in this game. I mean, I thought that the game plan that Mac Jones and Josh McDaniels were running mirrored a Josh McDaniels and Brady offense. So if that's what's to come in New England for future years, I mean, that would be phenomenal. And also good signs out of the New England defense in this game. Um, Tampa Bay has not been held to less than 30 points since week 14 of last year. And they have not been held to less than 20 points since Brady got there. So great performance by the New England defense. Um, Matt Judon looked great last night. Seven tackles, a sack, two tackles for loss, and two quarterback hits. I mean, great performance from New England despite the loss. Um, Really quickly, I want to ask you guys, what does this game mean for the Bill versus Tom debate? Tyler, what you got?
2: I don't, I don't think it changes it much. I think, you know, with Brady winning a super bowl last year in Tampa, that kind of solidified that uh, as far as Brady probably Mm -hmm. being better. Um, You know, if, if the Patriots win another super bowl with, uh, with Belichick at the helm then you know that debate comes right back up uh, but I think as of right now I, I think that Brady still has the a, a leg up on uh, on Belichick in that regard uh, but you know these, like we said these are two of the best coaches these are the two best one quarterback one coach in NFL history
0: yeah good stuff Jaden uh
1: you you know I'm a Brady guy and I know you are too at least in this mm-hmm. conversation, and obviously the Super Bowl helps solidify that. I just give me the great, great quarterback over the great, great coach any day of the week, any situation, not not just Brady and Belichick. Just I'd much rather have an Aaron Rodgers with a Mike McCarthy than a Kyle Shanahan with a Jimmy Garoppolo.
0: Yeah. I mean, I was, was talking about. It in the group quick. Chat. Uh, I know but I it's pretty clear for all three of us that Tom is greater than Bill but I thought it was a nice even though they came out with the loss I thought it was a nice feather in Bill's cap last night to hold Brady to those kind of numbers so I thought it was really impressive it just goes to show you that Bill is a great coach like
2: I think that I I really feel like one of the things that wasn't discussed in this game afterward that really proved to be a possibly a a weak point for Tampa is no Gronk um, because you saw Mm -hmm. the red zone struggles with the Patriots not being able to score and I saw Cameron Braid have at least one if not two drops in this game and you know Gronk I'm not going to say he'll 100% make those catches but he's that red zone target that Brady's always looked for not having him definitely showed you know it's true colors uh, on on Sunday night
0: Yeah. It just looked like, I I definitely agree with you. Like it looked like Tom was wishing that Gronk was out there because he just wanted somebody that he knew he could throw to and he knew would catch the ball. And that is Gronk in those situations. And it just seemed like he was missing him a lot last night. So
1: he also, he also did try to force the ball to AB to get him that game winning touchdown Mm
0: -hmm. through
1: two straight balls, same exact route. And AB, I really thought A.B. caught that second one. I thought for sure he had it, and I was, like, so happy because I, I hold no resentment for
0: A.B. in my heart. But the rain, I feel like the rain played a big factor yeah, in it was not catching those balls. Yeah, so uh, Antonio Brown on a regular day is catching those 100% of the time. All right, let's quickly run through the rest of the games that we had. Um, Washington football team catches a dub to bring them to 2-2 two and two against Atlanta. Um, thirty-four to thirty. Taylor Heineke threw for three touchdowns in this game, but personally, I don't think he looked that great. Uh, I'm not gonna lie; like he had probably should have thrown three interceptions. Like he had the defense on Atlanta's side was just bad. They couldn't come down with the interception. I mean, there were multiple class deflections that should have been easy interceptions. So I wasn't super happy with what I saw out of Taylor Heineke in this game. But and especially letting up thirty points to Atlanta ridiculous so this defense continues to struggle um buffalo shuts out houston 40 to zero as the bills move to three and one it's basically all there is to say there um detroit falls to chicago 24 to 14 um justin fields improved in this game slightly but the bears have a major concern with david Montgomery. they may have possibly lost him for the year i know that the bears technically ruled out an ACL, but they didn't really rule out an ACL yet. They just thought it probably wouldn't be an ACL, but we're going to learn more about David Montgomery after Wednesday. Um, Colts come out on top of Miami, 27 to 17. Uh, Jonathan Taylor had his first big game of the year, breaks out for 103 yards and a touchdown as the Miami offense struggles behind Jacoby Brissett. They are definitely missing Tua, but like Tyler mentioned, I mean, how much better does it get with Tua? Um Tyler, I'll give it to you for this one. Browns come on top of the Vikings 14-7. to 7. What were your thoughts?
2: Uh, Browns' defense looks great. Stefanski's returned to Minnesota, uh, and it was a defense, funny enough, that showed its showed its prowess in this game. Uh, Vikings had a chance to tie the game at the end. Uh, weren't able to do so. Uh, this is actually the first time, and I believe it's 17 – yes, yeah, Kirk Cousins had 17 straight games with a passer rating over 90, uh, and that was snapped on Sunday. Um, so – you know, it wasn't Kirk's best game. Definitely when the Vikings. Dalvin was in and out, uh, injured again. So, you know, Vikings dropped to one and three. They've got the Lions next week. Hopefully get to rebound with that game. But um, I don't feel confident about this season. This was a huge, pivotal game uh, for the Vikings to win. And they had the chances to do it and um, turned it over a couple times when they didn't need to. And obviously at the end, couldn't convert uh, when the game was on the line.
0: Yeah bummer on the viking side and also dalvin cook was out for like a whole quarter in this game again i mean the injuries are a problem it's ridiculous gosh and speaking as a dalvin cook owner i am very very disappointed pick up Um, madison
2: yeah
0: yep (laughs) grab up madison if you haven't already
2: trade form, do whatever you got to do. If you got Dalvin, we've said it yeah. a couple of weeks ago, and we're going to keep saying it all year because he is fragile. You're going to have those explosive games, but you're also going to have these games where you might get hurt. And You know, I know once you start Dalvin, you obviously can't start Madison, but it is nice to have him there just in case, uh, you know, not this past week against the Browns, but the week before uh, when Dalvin was out, you know, if he had had Madison, you could plug him in right then. and, And he got almost 150 yards. So, you know, you've got a very viable backup if and when Dalvin does go down again.
0: Right. Um. A similar uh, like a trade that really, really quickly that you could look to put together for Madison. Um. I actually pulled one off earlier in the year in one of my other leagues that I had Dalvin. It's actually a 12 team league. I traded Rojo after like week two for Alex, Alexander Madison. And obviously, Alexander Madison doesn't have nearly the value that he does to a Dalvin Cook owner to another owner. So give up like, I don't know, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss. Kenyon Drake kind of guy for Alexander Madison. And that's a great trade for Dallas Cook owners. All right. Next game that we have to cover is Seattle winning against San Francisco, 28 to 21. Seattle sits at two and two now. Um, San Francisco sits at two and two as well. Um, Takeaway from this game, Jimmy Garoppolo out with an injury now. Uh, Kyle Shanahan came out today and said it was a calf contusion. And he's currently questionable for, week five but trey lance looked i mean the stat line was pretty nice he had some solid rushes um and he had two passing touchdowns but he did look like a rookie in this game i will say that so well it'll be interesting to see whether or not he starts next week um next game giants win against the saints in overtime 27 to 21 saquon has his bounce back game here and he helps lead the Giants to an impressive win over a Saints defense that had been phenomenal coming into this game. And finally, the Chiefs score 42 points to beat the Eagles, Eagles 30, Chiefs 42. Um, The Eagles didn't look terrible in this game, but Patty's five touchdowns just proves too much to keep up with. All right. Well, that does it for the week four recap, but we're introducing a new segment on this pod and I'll go ahead and give it to Jaden to introduce it. Cause it's your baby, man.
1: Yeah. I uh, kind of thought of it late one night when I was about to go to sleep, I was like, you know, head coaches give out the game ball to usually, obviously the winning team uh, gets the game ball, gives it either to a player or, you know, we're probably going to do players or certain units uh, and every week we're just going to pick a guy or a unit that we thought deserves a game ball. And I guess I can start with mine and mine is Saquon Barkley. Uh, he kind of had his coming out party last week, but this week he really put on for the giants when they really needed him to. He had a nice 55 yard touchdown catch. He had another touchdown in overtime finishes with nearly 30 fantasy points. Uh, and I'm maybe slightly biased as a Saquon owner, but I'm, I'm really glad to see that he's doing well against a tough matchup
0: in New Orleans. Yeah, good stuff. Tyler, who are you giving out the
2: game ball to this week? Yeah, I talked about this guy um, earlier in one of the games that we broke down, um, and I'm giving it to not Stefan, but Trevon Diggs. Uh, He's got five picks already, had two picks in this game. Um, The guy is front runner, I think, right now for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, He could be right up there in the MVP uh, race as well right now for what he's been able to provide not only for the Dallas defense, but for the Dallas team as a whole, giving them two short fields in which they capitalized on both interceptions and got two touchdowns to kind of put this game away. Um, so Trevon Diggs is playing out of his mind right now, and um, it's going to be interesting to, to see if he can keep this going because right now he's on pace for an abundance of interceptions. I don't think it'll continue like that, but um, uh, he's definitely putting on a show uh, to say the least down in Jerry's world.
0: Yep. Yep. Good stuff.
2: Um, I will give out my game ball lastly to
0: Mr. Mac Jones, who despite the loss on Sunday night football looked phenomenal. I mean, I already mentioned the 19 consecutive straight passes and you mentioned it, Tyler. It was like that hurry up offense look and Mac Jones was just getting out the ball. He was reading. They kept mentioning on the the podcast, but the broadcast that he was a 4.0 student and he was reading that defense like an expert. I mean, it took him like very little time to read what was going on and get rid of the ball. And he looked phenomenal. May I say Brady-esque in this game? I mean, mirror Josh McDaniels and Brady's offense that worked so well in Tampa, or not in Tampa Bay, but New England for so many years. So I don't think that New England fans can really walk away from this game super upset. Um, They got to be excited about what they have in Mac Jones and the potential of a couple of years down the road, maybe some Super Bowls coming their way if Mac Jones continues to play this way. And, especially has proved to be the best quarterback so far out of the class. So, we'll say that.
2: All right. Well, that just about does it. I do have I do I do have one last thing. Um this is Go ahead. possibly Uh, One of the most exciting week in sports um, coming up this week, you have baseball playoffs starting on Tuesday. You'll have baseball playoffs Tuesday, Wednesday. You'll have a quadruple header with baseball on Friday. You'll have Thursday night football. You'll have college football on Saturday. You'll have NFL on Sunday. You'll have baseball playoffs throughout the time. So these gaps of not having anything on Tuesday, Wednesday and Friday has kind of been eliminated here for the next couple of weeks, just for, you know, typical sports fans. So, uh, Buckle it, you know, buckle your seat and uh, get ready for a wild ride here because uh, the month of October is upon us and uh, it's going to be a fun month for sports, to say the least. And obviously, NFL is obviously at the top of our list and probably at the top of everybody else's list. But I figured I'd throw that tidbit with uh, other sports that are going to be going on here in this coming week.
1: Preseason NBA basketball also.
2: Basketball and hockey yeah, basketball yeah. and hockey are both starting this month as well, so everything's coming into full gear here this month, and uh, I'm huge March Madness guy, but uh, other than March, this is probably the most exciting month in, in the sports calendar uh, throughout the year. Also
0: got that uh, Midnight Madness coming up for most big-time D1 programs. I mean, I know Kentucky's Midnight Madness, which I will be in attendance for, is coming up on, I think it's October 15th, so Yeah. All uh, right. The sports equinox is coming together right now. Love to see it. Love to see it. So, all right. Well, with that, that does it for us this week. Um, Keep an eye out for our podcast coming out later in the week, which we'll look forward to week five, but good stuff today. And appreciate you guys, appreciate you guys for listening. Catch you later.